Amen. Take your copy of God's Word this morning and turn, if you will, to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. And I want to stop a moment and welcome especially those who have just graduated to big church. Some of you uh, may know this, but this is promotion day. Now, I know some of you don't necessarily promote in Sunday school, but this is promotion day. And for our younger individuals, our four-year-olds, they have now graduated and they're moving up from extended session now to our uh, services, whether it be here in the sanctuary or up in the gathering. So we're grateful that you all are here. And we pray that you can worship with us and your families today. You know, I I thought about this uh, as Sally reminded me of this day and this significance. That last year about this time, my youngest was moving up into big church. And we got home after service. I was talking with her about her experience during the day. Now, you do know that my family usually goes to both services. They come to the blended and then they come to the gathering. I tell my children that when they grow up, they only have to go to one church, one service. And they're looking forward to that day, probably. But they go to both as it is right now. And anyway, we got home and we were sitting around the table. We were eating. And a lot of times we'll talk about Sunday school or church or those kinds of things. So I asked Ainsley, I said, how was your first day in big church? She looked at me and she said, Mr. Chris... Some of you know that's our contemporary worship leader upstairs in the gathering. Said, Mr. Chris made my heart beat today. (laughs) Oh, that was so sweet. I've told Chris this over and over. He's tired of hearing it. But I told him, I texted him and I said, hey, by the way, you make my youngest daughter's heart beat. So I said, well, that's good. And, you know, and I began to talk to her a little bit. I said, how how did that happen? She said, the music was so loud, it made my heart beat. (laughs) Sometimes part of the experience, right? (laughs) But I hope that we have welcomed you here today, and especially, like I said, our younger ones who have joined us. Take, again, look at Matthew chapter 25. That's where we are. You have found it, hopefully. And I want to talk to you today about maximum investments. I want to talk to you about investing our lives, really our gifts, our talents, everything that we have for the kingdom. And investing it wisely and effectively. I think that's what God calls us to do as we look at this passage. Really, this story gives us the heart of what it means to invest appropriately for God. Over the last couple weeks, we've talked about how our God is a giver. He is such a giver. He has blessed us in such a great way. We all recognize that. Everybody in this place could stand and give testimony to how the Lord has blessed in so many different ways. We know that our God is a giver. We know that he owns everything, that all that we claim is actually God's. And somehow he has called us to oversee it. Now, we've looked at that over the last couple of weeks, but as we look at this story today, he really, he really speaks to us even more about managing it or overseeing these things in our lives effectively and wisely. So listen as Jesus tells this story. He's in the midst of this discourse. He's teaching. He gives this story to his disciples. Listen again 
as Jesus speaks. He says, beginning in verse 14, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he had, who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to them, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered, And said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So Jesus tells us the story about investments. He tells us about how he gives and how he expects us to manage that which he has given. I want to give you three principles this morning, okay? Three principles as we look at this story. First of all, he gives us resources and opportunities based upon our ability to use them effectively. Now think about this just a moment. Our God gives us resources. We've talked about that. Our God is a great giver, as I mentioned a moment ago. But in this passage, according to what we see, our God gives us resources and opportunities based upon how we will use them effectively. Notice again what it says. It said that he gave each according to his own ability. Verse 15. Our God gives to us as we will use these gifts and these opportunities effectively for his kingdom. Now all of us in this place should also recognize that our God is sovereign and he can give any gift to anybody at any time in any moment that he deems best. Right? Our God is the king. He is the one who gives out gifts. So he is the sovereign ruler, and he has a sovereign right to disperse gifts as he sees fit. Actually, Paul, as he writes about spiritual giftedness, 
as he speaks about the spiritual gifts themselves, he mentions this to the Corinthian church. He writes in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, but, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. In other words, Paul said that when it came to spiritual gifts, that the Holy Spirit would distribute as he wills. In other words, as he determines. He brings a spiritual gift into your life. Our God distributes gifts and resources and opportunities as we have the ability to use them effectively. It is proportionate to our ability. Now, we also recognize in this place, not all of us have the same abilities. Would you agree with that? Not all of us have the same gifts. Not all of us have the same talents. Not all of us are able to express ourselves in specific ways. There are different abilities that we have. Let me put it this way. I can't sing like Jeremy or Chris. I can't. But they don't have the same wonderful physical physique that their pastor does. <laughs> so they have a giftedness. I have the physical physique, okay? It's, we're just different, but we're okay with that, aren't we, Jeremy? We're fine with that. Chris, I can't see you nodding, but you better be nodding up in the gathering. All of us have different strengths and weaknesses. All of us are different. And we recognize that God gives us in different ways. He gives us different talents. He gives us different resources. He gives us different opportunities. Now, what I see in this story is that he, he really gives to us, though, so that we will use our gifts effectively. He even distributes his gifts, his resources, in such a way that we will use these gifts effectively for his kingdom. Let's think about it this way. What sense does it make that God would give us certain gifts or certain resources or certain opportunities if we would not use them effectively? I mean, what sense would it make for him to say, I'm going to give you this gift knowing that you will not use that gift for his kingdom? What sense does that make? I mean, our God knows all things. He can see all things. So he knows who and how effectively they will use certain gifts, certain things in their lives. So why would he give you those things? Let, let, let's take it down a little bit more practical to us. Let's say that we make an announcement that next week we're going to give out $1,000 to everybody who attends the service. Now, if we announce that this week, there will be no summer slump next week. Right, Lloyd? There will be people, I mean visitors, you, it's going to be amazing, the attendance, if we said we were going to give out $1,000. But let's say that we, we do do that. You come and, listen, I'm not making a promise we're doing that, by the way. But you come and you receive your $1,000. We would not use it the same way. We would not use it, all of us would not use it as effectively as we should. I mean, that $1,000, some of you would take it and you would probably put it in the bank. Some of you, you would head over to the mall at Monroe to make sure that you got there first. 
so you could buy what was on those racks. Or maybe you would go, some of you guys, $1,000, maybe a new shotgun, new bow, maybe new golf clubs. Conviction sitting in here in the sanctuary. I can feel it. We would use it all different ways. Some people say, if I only had so much more money, if I only had so many more things, would it really be any different? Would you really use what you, what you would receive any differently than what you have now? Would you manage it any better? Would you use it more effectively? Why would God give you more if you do not even use what you have effectively? And what he says here is that he gives according to one's own ability. He gives us resources. He gives us opportunities based on our ability to use them effectively. Let me give you this second principle. He gives us resources and opportunities with an expectation that we will invest them wisely. Now, I know that's so close to the first principle. I know it just kind of tags along here, but listen. Our God, when He gives us a gift, when He gives us a talent, when He gives us a resource, He expects us to use them wisely, to invest them wisely. He, he expects that out of us. Our God expects us to use the things that he has given us. Notice again these servants. Look in, um, uh, let's say, look in verse 20. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you have delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. Again, the Lord says, well done, good and faithful servant. In verse 22, he also who had received two talents came and said, Lord... You delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. In those verses, you hear God's expectation that these servants would have served faithfully and that they would have invested wisely. That they would have multiplied what God had given them. You hear that expectation. Now, in the New Testament, a talent is basically like a measurement. Uh, you'll find all kinds of different figurings about how much this was or how much that was. Some of your Bibles will say this may be 15 years worth of wages, one talent. Some might say 16 and a half. Some might back it down. Really, we don't know for sure exactly how much a talent was in today's um, monetary value. But let me say to you, the point is not on what, how much the talent was. The point is about how these servants used these talents in order to multiply, to increase what God had given them. When it comes to us, the point is that we invest wisely what we have. The biblical principle. To whom much is given, much is required. If God has given us certain things then he requires us to be faithful and to invest faithfully in his kingdom. Financial resources, certainly, that we would give strategically to advance the kingdom. But let me back up and mention this. How about our spiritual gifts, and I'm even going to include in this 
our talents. Notice how we use the word talent today. Most of the time we talk about a special ability today. New Testament, it was more of a measurement that we see here, but now we talk about if you're talented, that means that you have a certain type of ability or strength in your life. All of us, all of us have at least one gift, spiritual gift in our lives. If you read the New Testament, you have at least one spiritual gift. You may have more than that, but you have at least one. According to what Paul says to the Corinthians, I would say to you that many of us have talents. And sometimes those of us who have tried to differentiate between gifts and talents, we found it frustrating. Because sometimes what we would call a talent may be a spiritual gift. I've always thought singers got a bad rap on this. When I was coming up in the churches, they would say, oh, singing's not a spiritual gift, it's a talent. I have personally been convinced that singing can be a spiritual gift that's used to edify the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think God can use it. I think God can somehow take it and build His kingdom through our singing, through our worship. So let me just kind of combine them all together. Spiritual gifts, talents. All of you have at least one. Each person in this place has at least one spiritual gift. How are you using it for the kingdom of God? How are you using it to edify the local church here at Temple Baptist? How are you using that gift? If God has given you something, he has an expectation that you will invest it wisely for his kingdom. So how are you using it? Let's say if your giftedness is singing. How about joining the choir? Jeremy? How about joining the gathering worship service? How about joining the youth band. How about doing whatever it is, whatever context you find yourself in, how about using it for the kingdom of God? Investing it. Let's say that you can play a musical instrument. Again, the orchestra, the gathering band. There are so many opportunities for you to be involved in God's kingdom. If you can teach, teach for the glory of Christ. If you have a giftedness of teaching, you find a place where you can teach. If you can run numbers, some of you in this place are numbers kind of people. Find a way to use that to edify the, edify the name of God. Some of you, you can play a sport, play ball, you can golf. Do you know that God can take that and put you in such a platform that you can give glory to His name, and advance His kingdom? I'm saying to you that every person in here has some type of gift or some type of talent, and I believe if God has given it to you, He has an expectation that you will use it wisely, that you will invest it for the kingdom's sake. How about the opportunities that we have? Oh, how God gives us opportunities. Listen. Don't think that you're just so smart that you have moved up in the company on your own. God was involved in that. 
You didn't get to where you are because of your own ability and your own intellect. Let me say to you that every one of us in this place, every one of us in this place, no matter who we are or what we're worth or what we've done, it is all because of God's grace in our lives. It is God's gift of health, God's gift of strength, God's giftedness in our lives of mental capabilities. How are we using those opportunities that God gives for His kingdom? How are we maximizing the investment? How are we multiplying the kingdom? God expects us not to squander opportunities, but to do the best with what He has given us. Charles Stanley said, You have spiritual gifts, mental capabilities, physical attributes, and material possessions. The fact that you have them is not what matters. The important thing is this. What are you doing with what you have been given? That's the question for all of us. What are we doing with what God has given us? The faithful servants doubled their investment. But notice the unfaithful servant. When you read down, you'll see, verse 24, that he looks at the Lord. He says, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. So get this. He takes the one talent that he was given... And he buries it away. He hides it. The Greek word there is the Greek verb crypto, which you can almost hear the English word crypt. It's kind of like he entombed it. In other words, he took what he had and he just put it into a crypt. He hid it away. He buried it. I was thinking about that. I was really meditating on that word and meditating on the whole passage. And as I was meditating, it just was like God said, you know what, that's what a lot of people are doing today. I've given them a gift. I've given them a talent. But what they've done is they have buried it away. It's kind of like they've entombed it, that they've just put it away so that nobody can see it. Actually, the word can mean to make invisible. And what some of us have done is we have buried our giftedness and we buried our talent so far away that it's almost like we can't see it and the people around us can't see it. We've made it invisible for all. Why? Why would you do something like that? Why would this unfaithful servant respond in such a way? Well, I think it's two reasons. One, because he had a deficient view of the Lord. Notice again what he says. Lord, I knew. That specific word for know there means I knew by experience. God, I've made my mind up about you. You're a cruel man. You're a hard man. God, I knew that you would be very hard on me in some way. That's a deficient view of God. But that's a view of God that so many have today, that God's so cruel and hard. 
my, my friends, I hope in the last few weeks I have painted a picture of a God who is loving and compassionate and giving and beneficial to us. Folks, again, this is a God who loved us so much he sent his one and only son for us. If he would not withhold his one and only son for us from us, why would you think that he would withhold any other blessing from us? He has demonstrated his commitment to us and his love. But yet, this unfaithful servant, he has a deficient view of God. And when you have a deficient view of God, you'll not use your gift or your talent the way you should. And notice how that deficient view of God plays into his response in verse 25. I say to you, there are two reasons, really, that he responded this way. He had a deficient view of God, and he was just scared. Verse 25, and I was afraid. I was afraid. Again, the language of the New Testament is the language of a phobia. That you have a phobia. You are scared. You are frightened to be able to do anything with this talent besides just bury it away. Maybe he was afraid of the risk. Afraid of the risk that would be involved. Listen, when you seek to invest for the kingdom of God, when you seek to put yourself out there and exercise your gift and exercise your talent for the glory of God, there will always be risk. Perhaps he was concerned about the risk. Later on, the Lord will refer to him as you wicked and lazy servant. The word lazy there might be better translated hesitant. Hesitant. As one scholar has suggested, it means to hesitate to engage in something that is worthwhile. That you hesitate to engage in something that's worthwhile. In other words, it's worth your effort. But you're, you're hesitant. You're scared because of the risks that are involved. You know, sometimes I wonder if it's because... Well, let me just say, I wonder if we're not willing to risk things because we're not convinced that it's worthwhile endeavor. Sometimes down deep, is it worth it? Should I risk putting myself out there and practicing this gift or this talent? Is it worth it? And may I just say to you this morning, the kingdom of God is always worth it. God himself is worthy of our faithfulness. But what if people talk about me? What if... People say different things about you. So what? The last time I checked, my, the one that I need to please is the one who is above, not the ones even in this room. And you and I, when we express our gifts, it is to the glory of God, not just to the glory of other individuals. We seek to please Him. And He is always worthy to be pleased. We shouldn't hesitate 
We shouldn't risk, we shouldn't fear risking things. God is worth the risk. If you play it safe, listen to me. If you play it safe, you will achieve nothing for the kingdom of God. If you say, I'm going to retreat to my house, I'm just going to retreat in my own self, you will never truly achieve anything for the glory of God. Ministry should always have risk. When we invest our gifts and we invest our talents, perhaps he was afraid of failure. I think he was. When I read this passage, I think he's afraid that he would lose the one that he had. The one talent that he had, he was afraid he would lose it. And then there would be punishment to come. But fear doesn't keep us from failure. Fear causes failure. How ironic is this? As you read on down in the story, that the guy who's afraid to lose one actually loses one because he plays it so safely. In other words, God takes it. How ironic is that? Maybe I should suggest this here. If you don't use your giftedness and your talent for the glory of God, you'll lose it. Did you hear me? If you don't use it, you will lose it. Because God is not going to tolerate us to continue to have this gift, this talent, if we will not use it wisely or invest it wisely for his kingdom. Let me give you the third principle. He gives us resources and opportunities out of his desire to reward faithfulness. What does he want to do? God wants to see us faithful and he wants to reward our faithfulness. Again, we're ultimately responsible to him. We're accountable to him. So in, in other words, when he comes again, he is the one who is in charge of bringing reward into our lives. Now, I haven't mentioned this purposely, but you'll notice Matthew 25, this passage is located in this section of Scripture that we call the Olivet Discourse. In other words, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he speaks specifically about the end times. You ought to go back and you ought to read through, really, chapters 24, 25, and notice what he teaches about the end times. He speaks about the tribulation that is to come. He speaks about the culture that will be here on this earth before he returns He'll speak about how we should be prepared and ready. He'll give story and after story about our preparation and our faithfulness. So this story is in context of that larger discourse. The message is we should be producing until the master comes. We should be working until the master comes. And when the master comes, may I insert this here? Jesus is going to come again. Don't you miss that. He is going to come. When he comes, he wants to bring reward to us. He wants to reward our faithfulness. He wants to find us. That's the reason we're encouraged in such great ways. He wants to find us working on his behalf. 
so that he can give us even greater responsibility and reward. Again, he looks at these who have been faithful and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. There's the commendation. And then there is also this gift of greater responsibility. This is a principle that you find in Scripture. If you're faithful in the few, listen. If you're faithful in the few, God will give you greater responsibilities greater opportunities. How incredible is that? That occurs now. Part of that occurs now. And one of these days, God will, as He comes, will glorify us just as He has glorified His Son, the Lord Jesus. If we are faithful in the few, Luke records Jesus' words, this is what Jesus says in Luke 16, 10. He, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And who, he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? He basically says again, if you're faithful in the few, you will have greater opportunity in the future. That is part of our reward. And just the joy. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Now, before too many of you dismiss the unfaithful servant, before you dismiss his condemnation as just work-oriented, I want to call your attention again to the unfaithful servant's attitude. He didn't have a relationship, not a true relationship with God because he didn't really know him, right? Isn't that what we said earlier? I knew you were a hard, cruel God. So his condemnation did not come just because he didn't invest. He didn't invest because he did not know this wonderful, compassionate, giving God that we do. So don't take from this story, oh, I hope that I've done enough and I've worked enough so that when Jesus comes, I get to experience heaven. That's not what this story is teaching. And I'd hate for you to leave this place with that kind of understanding. I say to you, just as you look at the whole biblical witness, you can never work your way to Christ. You'll never work your way to heaven. The only way you and I have salvation is because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross and through the resurrection. That's the only way we have salvation. But once he brings salvation into our lives, he expects us to be faithful. And when he returns, I pray that he would find us producing for him and his kingdom. My friends, don't bury your talent or your gift Use it wisely. Invest it for the kingdom of God. Take the opportunities that he's given you right now and say, how can I use this to best effect 
the message of good news. How can I take this and spread it in the workplace, in my community, and in the nations themselves so that God will be glorified? How can we use what he's given us? Purposely, effectively, and wisely for his kingdom. Because when God unleashes that talent and gift in our hearts and lives and we use it the way we should, oh, what a, oh, what a difference it'll make in our churches and in our communities. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the time to just dig into your word and hear what you have to say to us. And God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters, so many in this place that you have gifted and talented and, Lord, resourced. And, Father, the gifts that you have bestowed, we thank you for those things. But, God, we pray that we would seriously take what you have given us. And, Lord, that we would effectively use them for your kingdom. God, we know that we're not saved by our works, but we give you praise that we can work for you as you have worked in our hearts and lives through salvation itself. Father, we pray that when we leave this place that we will invest in the best, most efficient, most wise ways we can so that you'll receive the honor and the glory. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?